0: This is Optimal Startup Daily, episode 357, A Subtle Mistake About How to Acquire Useful Career Skills by Scott Young with calnewport.com. And I am Dan, I am your host and your narrator here on the podcast, so welcome back to Optimal Startup Daily, or welcome for the first time if you're new here, if you're just discovering us. This is the podcast where I read to you from some of the best blogs on entrepreneurship. And today I've got a post, from Scott Young with calnewport.com, and I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about that site after the post. But right now, let's get to it as we start optimizing your life. A Subtle Mistake About How to Acquire Useful Career Skills by Scott Young with calnewport.com In our early top performer pilots, before we even called the course top performer, Cal and I made a subtle mistake about the process we taught for acquiring career skills. It's one I've seen many people make when thinking about improving their careers, so I think it's worth exploring here in case you might be making it too. A big part of our course is executing a skill-building project. The goal is to cultivate rare and valuable skills which form the foundation for a successful career. What we hadn't recognized in early iterations of our course is that there are actually two different ways to go about these projects one of which tends to be much more effective. The difficulty with drilling down. The first way you can design a project to upgrade your career skills is to drill down on some aspect of your work that's important to your job. One of our students, for example, was an academic philosopher who decided to get better at logic. Another student was an architect who decided to deepen his understanding of design. On the surface, these kinds of projects sound like they should be helpful. Indeed, the entire idea of deliberate practice on which our course is based seems reflected in these projects. Pick an aspect of your work and then design an effort to focus on improving it deliberately. So what's the problem? The problem is that a lot of these projects didn't generate spectacular results. Sure, the person might have felt good about deepening a skill, but these were rarely the projects that resulted in promotions, raises, or transformations of a person's work. True, there were some exceptions. One person decided to dig deep on their understanding of a programming language and later translated that into landing his dream job. But even then, this particular success didn't come from improving a skill alone. In his particular case, the student got the job because his practice activity, making online quizzes about the language he specialized in, brought him to the attention of experts in his field. If those quizzes hadn't been published or acknowledged, it's unclear how big an impact his project would have had. Benchmarking success. A different style of project, however, does seem to work better. Benchmark projects Benchmark projects are also about improving skills. However, instead of picking a skill and just trying to get better at it, you first pick a clear benchmark accomplishment that defines success. Examples of successful benchmark projects could be 1. Writing Creating a blog and producing 100 articles 2. Programming Designing a useful open-source library 3. Academia producing a paper that attracts multiple citations, and four, entrepreneurship, creating a new product that will sell a certain amount. Why are these projects often more successful than projects which are strictly about drilling a particular skill? My experience tells me that there are two distinct advantages at play here. The first is that by tying your project to a benchmark, you can't avoid the uncomfortable work. A deliberate practice project that's disconnected from real-world results can unintentionally be steered away from hard efforts that move the needle, allowing you instead to wallow in that pleasing state of tractable hardness, a state that feels good but generates minimum growth. Second, benchmark projects produce a recognizable achievement at the end. This helps by allowing you to point at something concrete when trying to articulate your newly acquired skill. Good work alone can propel you forward, But making your skills more legible to outsiders is often a key part of translating those skills into actual career benefits. How you can create benchmark projects to grow your career. The way I like to think of benchmark projects is to pick something that I can't do right now, but I might be able to do if I improved my skills and worked at it. These projects tend to work better when the benchmark itself suggests what kind of efforts you might take to improve. Improving as a writer, for instance, it would be better for me to pick a project like get published in a national newspaper or magazine rather than sell one million books, since the former will suggest a lot of specific actions I need to take to get my writing to the level where I can be published in a prestigious place. But the latter doesn't really suggest anything concrete. Good benchmark projects are often scarier than drill-down projects. Getting better at research is a lot more comfortable a goal to set than get my work published in a top five journal. Yet that uncomfortableness also encourages you to take a hard look at your own work. What are some benchmarks you could strive to attain in your own work? How would those look different than attempts you've made in the past to simply get better at your work? You just listened to the post titled A Subtle Mistake About How to Acquire Useful Career Skills by Scott Young with calnewport.com all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And thank you to both Scott and Cal. Cal is a popular writer with a book that seems like everybody's talking about right now. That is Deep Work, one of six self-improvement books that he has written. He completed his undergraduate studies at Dartmouth College in 2004, received a PhD from MIT in 2009 in computer science, He was then a postdoctoral associate in the MIT Computer Science Department for a couple years, and then in 2011, he joined Georgetown University as an assistant professor of computer science and was granted tenure in 2017. His work focuses on distributed algorithms in challenging network scenarios. You know, basic stuff. And again, he has multiple popular books that are worth checking out, plus his blog called Study Hacks. And lastly, you can check out his relatively new podcast called deep questions. You can find all of that right at his website, which again is calnewport.com. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Hope you have a great rest of your day, and I'll be back here reading to you tomorrow. And that's where your optimal life awaits.